0: Welcome to the podcast Gestalt Therapy Living Here and Now with Elizabeth Willa. Every month, Elizabeth takes you through an issue which she has come across in her Gestalt Praxis, read about, or simply bumped into just living life. The topics are related to mental well being, existential questions, what makes your life meaningful, and also what makes it heavy. Every episode is designed around the same set of headline, which hopefully will make it easier for you to make sense of what you hear. You can read much more about Elisabeth and how she works on her website, willegestalt.eu.
1: Hi again, and welcome to the fifth episode of Gestalt Therapy, Living Here Now. This episode is called When Someone Close to You is Sad, what to do. This episode deals with how we handle the situation when someone close to us is sad. It can be a friend or your kid or maybe just another family member. And now when I say it, actually sometimes it also happens that for different reasons we are faced with, for example, a colleague or just somebody that we meet who are really sad and we just are the one person who are there. I chose to talk about this, especially because it's, for me, on a personal level, really was a turning point. And not just in my gestalt development, so to say, but in my life. When I changed the way I handled or reacted to other people's sadness. For me, the turning point happened some years ago, when one of my, at that time, teenage daughters was sad. So very sad and hurt as you become from time to time, also in the teenage years. It happened in the years where I was traveling back and forth between Denmark and Luxembourg to get my Gestalt therapy diploma, working at the same time, well, hectic years. I was using, maybe overusing my energy, and at the same time, I had the joy of two teenage daughters. It was during this period that I, one evening, experienced what actually happened when I gave up all my good, clever, hard-earned experiences and advices for how to fix their situation. And instead, I was just there with their pain and listened and let it all be painful and sad and managed still to be there with them, just next to them and next to all of it. Maybe sounds too simple for some of you, maybe sounds weird to others. But for me it was a revelation to experience how the situation and my daughter calmed down. How without doing anything how without doing anything, or so it felt a bit, life was a tiny bit easier. Figure of today. The figure of today is when somebody close to you is sad, what to do? Well, I absolutely don't want to generalize how you or anybody else deals with somebody who is really sad. So for a start, I really would like you to think back and find a situation where your kid, a colleague, a friend or relative was sad. And then, what did you do? You might say that this depends on the situation or what the person was sad about, and maybe you're right, and then just think back on a couple of situations. You might even want to pause this episode for a moment and write down. Maybe write down what were your thoughts, what did you see, what did you hear, feel, sense, and finally, how did you react? What did you say when it happened? Just take a moment and reflect back. Pause if needed. Well, I can tell you that for many years, and to a certain extent a bit still, I must admit that I am a fixer and an organizer. So what I did when my kids or a friend was sad was, well, I might give them a hug, and then I would quickly move into what they could do to fix the problems uh, they were sad about, and what we could do to reorganize something so that the situation would improve. And in many ways, this is so human, I guess. Somebody close to us is hurt or sad, and we will do all in our power to take away the pain, and we hope that this will make them feel better. So the figure of today is actually a lot about how you are able to handle different feelings around you, as well as how you are able to let you be you and the other person be who they are with all they are and still be supportive and not just leaving the other person isolated with the sadness. And before we move on, today I talk about sadness and how to go about this emotion. But you can exchange sadness with all of the universal emotions, happiness, fear, anger, surprise, contempt and disgust. As well as the many, many other feelings we might experience, like, for example, shame or grief, and many others. They are all part of our lives, some more appreciated than others, some more difficult to handle for individuals, as well as surroundings. But all part of what makes life life. How is this important? How is it important what you do when somebody close to you is sad? In my view, it's important, first of all, because we all need to be allowed to feel what we feel when we do. This doesn't mean that we don't have to evaluate what we do with these feelings and how we act in different situations. To be able to get a bit deeper in this, we have to look at the question from two sides. There is how it is for you being next to the sad person and there is how your reactions might influence the sad person. Let me briefly get around both sides of this. I imagine that most of us have been next to a close relative or a friend who was sad and I asked you earlier to reflect a bit about what you did and how you felt, etc. in the situation. There are many possibilities. I will look at a couple of them. Well, maybe a feeling of guilt, responsibility, or I need to take care of this. What can I do? Or a search for what can I do to help is how it feels to some of us. And that's when the fixer takes over. Well, I will just explain him what to do and to fix the problem. Uh, I have so much experience with this or that. Let me make it easier for him and he will feel much better. If you go into the fixer mode, I wonder how that will be for the sad person. How is it in general when other people try and fix us and our situations? Sometimes it feels just confusing. We were just so sad and now somebody is making plans for how to reorganize the situation, how to fix it and we were just deeply sad. We might also feel that our sad feelings are a bit in the way, not really uh, what this coffee or chat should be about, like there is not really room for, time for, a place for the sadness. If we jump back again and look at what you do when somebody is sad, one of the other possibilities is to get overwhelmed by the friend's sadness and then become sad yourself, maybe even lost for hope of how this difficult situation will ever end or change. It's not easy for you. And if you, in this way, become overwhelmed with the sadness of the sad relative or friend, well, that's also difficult for the sad person. He or she might suddenly find themselves emerged in a joint kind of sadness, melted together with more sadness than they already felt, and not really feeling any kind of support. I hope this did not get too complicated or weird. Hope you're still listening. And I do hope it did give you a few examples of how important it is what we do and how we react when we show sadness between us. A bit about what's Gestalt in all of this. When I had my turning point experience mentioned at the start of this episode, I was in the middle of my education as a Gestalt therapist, probably around 2013 or so. We had just started practicing on each other how actually to do individual Gestalt sessions. One of the first aspects we practiced was just letting our partner talk about something important to them without interfering, just showing with our body that we were listening and attentive. It seemed so simple. The next step, of course, was to ask questions, which would make our partner elaborate on the matter and at the same time make sure not to give advice and also keep our own associations related to the matter out of the conversation. So nothing like, well, I know exactly what you're talking about. And once I had exactly the same problem and it helped me a lot to blah, blah, blah. Not at all that. We were told just to stick to the phenomenologic method and ask questions like, wow, did that really happen? How is that for you? How is it talking about it now for you? And so on. This type of conversation is making sure to keep, first, you and the other person separate. You are an independent individuals. You have your feelings and the other person can have their feelings. Second, you respect what the other person finds difficult or troublesome. You respect what the other person is sad about. Third, You do not try and change this sadness. You let your friend or relative have it, if that is what they have. You do not in any way make the other person wrong or indicate that that there is anything about them we need to fix. The friend is absolutely fine as he or she is also with all their sadness. And finally, fourth, you can be there with the other person also when he or she is sad. The relative does not have to be alone in all their sadness. It might even be okay if the friend chooses to leave a bit of the sadness with you because it does not affect you as hard as it affects the friend because it's not your sadness. This was a lot about having a different kind of conversation, dealing with sadness. And back when I started and was learning about all of this, I had been working as a consultant, as a facilitator, a technical coach for many years. So th- this should be fairly easy to me. And it sort of was. I could see the purpose. I could stick to the phenomenological method. And I felt listened to in a nice way when it was me to talk and so on. The big change and the big insight to what a game changer this was happened when I brought it into my private sphere. When I had the first talk with one of my daughters, where I completely abandoned my need to fix her or reorganize her life, but simply just listened and left all my well-intended know-how to fix it behind, I was there and all her feelings, worries and all her sadness were allowed in the room. She was exactly as she was also with all the sadness. Without going into too many private details, let me just say, dear listener, just try this with your next sad friend or relative. You really do not have to be a therapist to practice this. You just need to lean back a bit and trust that sometimes it's absolutely okay just to be present. That's the only thing needed. And then just notice what happens with your sad friend and what happens with you. I must admit, did surprise me what a change it was. Not always, but a lot of the times actually just really being there for relatives or close friends without any urge to change or fix the situation. It is amazing what happens to us when we are accepted as we are with all we are at a given moment. Also with all the stuff that's not so pretty or not so easy to deal with when all of this is also allowed in the room. This is, of course, also what's happening in the therapy. Exactly this, that for once we can be who we actually are, sad or not, and like this, we can start to figure out who we are. I'm not a therapy student anymore. I'm a therapist, and I have again and again seen in my practice what happens when clients slowly discover that in the therapy room they can practice being who they are. They can rediscover how an emotion like sadness not only will be allowed, but how it might be a help for them, a help in processing what's happening in their lives, to make them aware that maybe they need to ask for help or comfort or just slow down a bit when they feel sad. All emotions are useful to have. They help us navigate, enjoy, and simply live life. What easily happens if we are not allowed to have the emotions we have is that certain feelings are being seen as unwanted or useless or unacceptable. And if this happens too many times, we will simply start packing them away and hiding them and emotions like, for example, sadness with no place to go will often be stored in the body, resulting in pain and discomfort. This is in itself material for many, many episodes, and for now, should you like to dig more into this, I can recommend a couple of books. For example, The Body Keeps the Score by Bessel van der Kolk and When the Body Says No by Gabor Matte. Closing the Gestalt. Well, I'm getting to the end of today's episode. When someone close to you is sad, what to do? I hope you got some ideas of that the answer to this is not just to try and take away the sadness a loved one might be feeling, but on the contrary, to be able to be with each other as we are with all we are. We might actually discover a sense of connection, maybe even bonding, when we, at least for a start, can manage just to be with whatever emotions might be present at a given moment. This was the end of today's episode. Thank you very much for listening.
0: Thanks for listening to this episode. To make sure you never miss an episode, you can subscribe to the show via your podcast app of choice. Should you have any questions or comments, feel free to get in touch with Elisabeth Wille. You will find all the needed details on the website willegestalt.eu. Just a quick disclaimer, all case stories are anonymized and no clients directly quoted without prior written consent. And remember, any information you hear on this podcast See on the Willigestalt website, Facebook page or Instagram, is for information purposes only and should never be a substitute for actual mental and or medical advice from a doctor, psychiatrist or any other health professional.